welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from outside Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dibbon, and just off the deadliest catch, Mr. Shane Raheeves. He, he's had a lot of fun making fun of my shirt this afternoon. Well, it's the shirt, it's the hat, it's the whole get up. Hey, this is my 2018 Drew Estate Barn Smoker hat. I know, but it's denim, and it, you're wearing a blue shirt with blue jeans. You just, I, I, I want to ask you how the corn crop's going to do this year. Well, I did actually today. The reason I'm dressed so casually, since you asked, is I did a field visit today. Do you think snakes have a sense of humor? Uh. No, I don't. Somewhere now, I think there's two snakes sitting down lighting a cigar, and one's saying, Hey, you should have seen it today. It was perfect. I was under an ATV. I heard him coming. I slid out right as he was walking by, almost under his foot. Yes, I promise you, he cleared the hood of the truck by six inches. <laughs> Remarkable for a man of his size. And all, which I would argue that I was partially propelled by profanity of having a snake walk out directly under my foot. It is amazing how much distance and height you can cover just on profanity alone. I'm not as I'm not really scared of snakes. I'm scared of snakes in certain situations. When I'm fishing, I know there's going to be snakes. Yeah. Hunting, there's going to be snakes. Walking beside an old house, going back to the truck to get my computer. Don't expect the snake don't, to don't show up. Don't expect a snake to show up there. But today it did. But anyway, let's light some cigars now that I've relayed to you, regaled right. you with my snake hunting incident. All right. So I'll go first. Um, we were actually just talking about this cigar with a friend of ours before we started the show. And it, it made me remember that I haven't smoked one in a while. And this is a cigar that in terms of, you know, value for dollar, before the Charter Oak, I would say this is probably up there among the greats. This is the Brickhouse Maduro. And I was I was delighted to see that Austin has the Toro size in the humidor, which is not something that you see very often. Usually you see the Mighty Mighty, which is the 6x60 or the Robusto. Um, this was rated 96 by Cigar Aficionado. It's a fantastic, very highly rated cigar, distributed by J.C. Newman. So it's the same. It, I believe it's made in the same factory as Fuente. And... Um, you know, it's an all-Dominican blend. It's it's very good and usually under $8. It's an outstanding smoke, and especially at Smoke for the Money, it really adds a little bit to that cigar. Um, we used to have a guy that played poker here that that was always what he ended up with. And luckily, when I would win, I would get a new stash of Brickhouse. Now I'm having to pay for them. Right. Which still ain't too bad. No, it's not. And there was a time when that cigar would not have made the cutoff for the buy-in for the poker game. You guys, That's must. true. But these days, it's getting right up around that $8 range. Yeah, it's still, it's still in the $8 range. And, you know, I kind of will give a special dispensation as the, the commissioner of poker. If you bring a really good sub-8 cigar, I'll let you in the game. Yeah. And Charter not, Oak, Schizo. Yeah. If you bring something really good sub-8, I'm not gonna, it's not going to be that big a deal in my life for you to, to ante up with something. But, so I am smoking the LFD Cabinet Maduro Number no. 6. Hmm. Now, the Maduro Number no. 5 we've had on the show before. It's the Churchill Toro type size of this cigar. Yeah, I'd call it a solid... Maybe a Toro Longo. Yeah, this one is a five and a three quarter by fifty four. It's a torpedo. A little different because of the shape. You get a little different draw, a little different flavor. I've only smoked one of these, 
And I said, you know, I need to smoke that again. I think the night I smoked it, I was doing something else and didn't really get to fully appreciate the smoke. Yeah. Cabinet number five, one of my favorite LFDs they make. Probably my favorite LFD they make. Oh, wow. Um, so the cabinet number six, limited production. They're small batch. They do come in a box of 50, though. Okay. But usually you get like one box of 50. So very good cigar. I'm excited to get it lit up and get started smoking it this year. Excellent. Yeah, I can't wait to find out what you think about that. I love the number five. I haven't ever had the number six, so I'd, I'll be interested to hear your take. Now, as usual, I am cutting my torpedo on a 45-degree angle. Is that a new cutter? No, same cutter. Oh, I guess uh, just looking at it in the daylight. I mean, I'm so yeah, used to that cave it, that we normally record in. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll same lighter, too. Okay. Well, that one I recognize. It just looked like a different finish on your cutter. Though I'm really getting close to pulling the trigger on one of the triple flame side-by-side lighters. Really? That's What's got close. your trigger finger itching so bad then? Um, the other night, my mine was out of fuel, and Fred handed me his, and I lit my cigar with it. And like that, that wall of flame is so good. Yeah. And I like that it cigar. comes to a point so you can be very selective, you know, in terms of what you want to do. Uh, you can get very pinpoint accurate with it. You can stick the cigar way down and get, a, you know, right into the base of that wall of flame. It is very versatile if you are, you know, committed to the triple jet then that's uh that's definitely the way to go on that speaking of lighters now you brought this up when we were talking before the show but you know that i'm the one that has to introduce this being the tremendous 007 fan that i am hold on a second i think this cigar is rolled in asbestos i cannot get (laughs) fire to take to the end of this cigar well it honestly from the i my words are not going to be able to do this justice to the look of the wrapper on that cigar, it looks like a mahogany desk. Yeah, I that pick- thing is beautiful. I picked up one that had an exceptionally oily hue to it. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, if you look where it's been in my mouth, the saliva is beating up and sliding off like yeah. this cigar has been rainexed. It, I mean, it is, it is gorgeous, but it, it almost looks a little wet. Not to suggest that that's necessarily what's going on here, but yeah, you've got a pretty decent light on that. I think it may just be the draw that you're having issue with. Uh, yeah, I think I may finally have enough fire to smoke it. But anyway, carry on about your lighter. Yeah, so ST DuPont announces um, the Bluetooth 007 connecting lighter. Now, DuPont and 007 go back several years. Uh, there have been, this will be the second or, th- no, third uh, James Bond sort of collaborative lighter that they've done. Um, this one's really interesting, though, uh, in that it has um, an internal Bluetooth module that connects um, to your phone via an, an app, so that you can. So it actually has built-in tracking, which I think is just the smart. All lighters should have this. Well, in addition to built-in tracking, I would also like a self-destruct setting. So that if I happen to go to track it and somebody has walked off with it, I can blow out the side of their pocket. The little, I mean, that would be total Q branch. It's got a little taser that sticks out the bottom and yep. just gets someone in the mid-thigh where it's sitting in their pocket. By the way, at WrestleMania this weekend, one of my buddies pulled out one of the arc lighters. Have oh, you seen them with a yeah. the little electric For arc? a cigar? No, he was smoking cigarettes. Oh. 
And we gave him an unlimited amount of grief over his lighter. I should hope so. I, I told him only you could make a lighter look feminine. <laughs> and Because it made this annoying squealing sound. Yeah. Who, whose idea was that lighter? That's a terrible idea. Yeah, because everyone's so nostalgic for the horrible light that you used to get off of those cigarette lighters that came in the car. Let's make it worse and put it in our pocket. Yeah, I mean, they always stank. They never worked right. Although I have been successful in getting one of those to light a cigar before. I will admit that. Well, the ST DuPont um, 007 lighter. Price tag. Are you ready? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is exactly what you'd expect, unfortunately, I think. $2,674. Still not the most expensive lighter that we've ever highlighted. Oh, no, no. It's way under the top mark. But, I mean, the thing is beautiful, as all SD DuPonts are. And I think it's funny, you know, and we talked about it you know, a couple weeks ago on the show about how everyone kind of assumes that SD DuPont has been the lighter of choice for James Bond forever because it's that same style. It's sure. the roller flint with the flip cap. Uh, but really, it's a fairly recent thing that they've gotten in partnership together because it was, you know, it was Ronson before that, and and it was in the books. So I, I love seeing them get it, get creative and stuff like this. And the and the Bluetooth track. I mean, I think you know the previous two collaborations that they've done, or collaborations, the wrong word, but the previous two James Bond branded lighters that they've done haven't. Im really like gotten a hold of the the spirit of Q Branch and James Bond being very gadgety. So I love that technology has gotten to a point where Bluetooth is small enough you can put it in a lighter. I just think that's so cool. It's a cool idea. Now, do they let the mod? Does the modern James Bond even smoke? No, the, uh, James Bond has not smoked since Dalton. Okay, with the exception of Pierce Brosnan smoked a cigar in Tomorrow Never Dies. But there you go. That's Once again, proving that Pierce Brosnan was a superior Bond to Dalton. <laughs> Once again, proving my point. Okay. Well, we can we can debate that off the air because yeah. I I don't think we have enough time. Well, we have to quit mentioning Bond, or somebody's going to show up and try right. to make a smoke a Gurkha. Although, so. <laughs> yeah, let's we do we we definitely don't want that. Although, uh, speaking of SD Dupont, they also released uh, the Windsor Collection this week. Which is a very big step away. You know, the James Bond, very modern, technology-laden. It This isn't the most classic-looking light. I mean, this just looks like what DuPont looks like. Yeah, it looks like just the standard ST DuPont lighter. Yeah. But I'm really excited about this because it's a sign of the, that they're going back to their to the basics. They're going back to their roots a little bit. You know, ST DuPont has been... You know, they've been doing the James Bond stuff, which is a bit modern and flashy. They've got the meteorite and the the lighter with the hot air balloon that we you know talked about a few weeks ago. This is a regular line too at you know thirteen hundred twenty dollars, which you know definitely not cheap. Yeah, definitely still not. But it's just it's classic and it works. And I, I just I'm really glad to see them. You know, of course it comes with matching pin as well. Uh, now, does it come with a pin, or do you have to buy well, the pin extra? You have to buy the pin extra. Okay. Uh, ballpoint is about eight hundred dollars. The roller balls nine twenty, and the fountain pens ten fifty two. So you know, all in, you're looking at about you know twenty five hundred dollars for your lighter and pin. For your lighter and pin, but for the person that's into that sort of thing, I can I can kind of see it. I mean, you cannot buy a better lighter than an SD Dupont. It just can't be done. That's true. The ST DuPont is the best. I mean, they're top quality. You pay for quality, but you, that's life. Mm -hmm. 
In, we were discussing this beforehand. You pay in life for top quality. Yeah, exactly. Now, catching a quick legislative, couple legislative things before we get carried away. All right. So, April 5th, Senator Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida. Now, this is what's important. I have two stories here. One is about Congress and one is about the House. So there's two separate bills because everything, nothing can be simple in the government. Everything has to go through two different. So right. the, there was a congressional field hearing called Keeping Small Premium Cigar Business Rolling. It was held in Hillsboro Community College. I like their College. play on words there. Yeah. <laughs> Hillsboro Community College at Ybor City's campus. Uh, Jeff Borowitz, we've talked about him on the show before, uh, owns Corona Cigar, great yep. guy. Uh, last time I was down there smoking, my wife posted something about smoking on their page, and he actually responded on Facebook to her, and I told her, have a good time and enjoy yourself. So really a nice guy. I got to meet him down at the barn, Smoker. He basically said, the greatest threat to my business is the heavy hand of the government regulations being pushed by the FDA. And that really sums it up. That's really the greatest threat to the cigar business. It really is. I mean, you look at drought, you look at tobacco bugs, you look at any other scourge of the tobacco process, and nothing is as dangerous or potentially detrimental as what the FDA is trying to do. Drew Newman of J.C. Newman Cigar Company. You're smoking one of his products right now. I am, and enjoying it. Yeah, in Tampa, he spoke of his company, 136 hardworking, dedicated employees that will basically be out of business if the FDA has their way with it. So it's nice that Dr. Rub um, or that Rubio, Marco Rubio, Senator Rubio, not Doctor. Sorry, I seen Doctor in the page. The Senator Rubio really came out and said. Now the other interesting thing is that Doctor Rodu, R O D U, pointed out at one or two cigars a day there was virtually no health impact. I've been saying it for years. Yeah, premium. Oh, how many ninety-something-year-old guys do we know that smoke? I mean. A whole, Orlando Padron, how many did he smoke a day? Yeah. And he lived in 93, 94. You know, I make it past 90. I'm going to consider I did a pretty good job. Yeah. I think that's, it's hard, I, it's hard to say died of young, you know, died too soon once yeah. you hit 90. You enjoyed yourself. You had a good time. Let Just let people enjoy themselves. Let's right. not make this such a big deal. And this goes back to what I was saying before the show to somebody we were talking to. It's all a cash grab. It's all the fault of vaping. It's all it is. Yeah. It's, Vape, vaping companies are an empty bag, and the FDA wanted to do a cash grab, so they tried to use them to grab money from premium cigars. Mm -hmm. And it looks like every day it comes out that there's more and more support on our side and less on the FDA side, so I really feel like we're headed in the right direction. I do hate that it has taken us six years to get here. You know, it, it feels like just yesterday that all of this started coming out, but it has been. It was 2013 that when all of this started. Well, and so... We're going to lose flavored cigars. Which I've said before, I'm fine with. Not a big deal. I can almost see the flavored candy type cigars being something that they could, that they could get a foot to stand on yeah. with. I still don't believe it because I still don't believe anybody's paying 12 bucks a cigar that's under underage to buy a cigar. No, I don't see that either. But, not, not when you can get two packs of cigarettes for that. The other thing that happened this week was Florida Representative Kathy Castor... Democrat, so we're bipartisan support, mm -hmm. introduced a bill to the House of Representatives to exempt premium cigars. So this is another premium exempt cigar exemption bill. 
This is HR 1854 titled Traditional Cigar Manufacturing and Small Business Job Preservation Act of 2019. So this is a companion bill to S.9 that Rubio right. did. So all this being said, I'm not going to get down into the weeds of this too much. It looks like we're moving the right way for a premium cigar exemption. Still going to be the rules are the same. Any roll as to what is a premium cigar. Any roll of tobacco wrapped in 100% tobacco leaf, bunched with 100% filler, contains no tip, flavor, additive, or non-tobacco mouthpiece. And that's and it's what twenty pounds per bundle of weigh at least six pounds per thousand. Six pounds per thousand. Yeah, and that to me that all makes sense. That's all good. You know, I don't mind them defining the premium cigar. That doesn't bother as long as they're defining it correctly. And I say that because when this bill, when this whole thing started six years ago, the the first thing that came out was that premium cigars were ten dollars and more. Right. Yeah, so as long as they're taking care to understand the industry and define a premium cigar properly, then I have no problem with it. Well, and, you know, people say, okay, this is such a niche product, but how many cigars a year do you think are sold in the United States? Oh, putting you on the spot here as I am wont to do. 600 million. A little high. But that's a good guess. 362 million. Okay. The shipments are up 9.7% from last year. This is the highest year. 2018 was the highest year for cigar shipments since 1997. You know, and it's funny you mention that because I, I have noticed, you know, everyone who was around smoking cigars in the 90s, I came in on the tail end of it, talks about the 90s cigar boom. Cigars were huge in the 90s, you know. Steven Seagal and and all of the like all the action heroes of the 90s were smoking cigars and you know it really saw that was when Zycar came on the market that was when a lot of the companies that you like really gained the foothold that has allowed them to stay where they are and, and be what they are now I thinking of CAO and that so I really feel like we're headed towards like a mini boom a mini cigar boom the cigar shops that I go into have more selection than ever before, have bigger humidors than ever before. There are more people in there smoking than ever before, at least since 2004 when I started smoking 15 years ago. So I really feel like we are headed, from a consumer standpoint, back towards that. And I can I can see why we would have more cigars shipped in, imported, than, than ever before. Well, is this also a side effect of the disappearing middle class? We kind of, in this country... The middle class is disappearing because even yeah. poor people have a big screen TV, have a car to drive. I mean, rarely ever do you see anybody living in squalor, watching a 13-inch black and white zenith on you know on the rabbit ears. It's it doesn't happen anymore. Even the minimum the minimum lifestyle is still better than it's ever been. So is part of that translating to the cigar industry? Are we getting a little more of that now due to the fact? Possibly. I would, I would classify it a little bit differently. I don't see the shrinking middle class as being a good thing. So, you know, I, I, but I, I do think there's a certain, um, you can blame the hipsters for this, but there's a certain nostalgia associated with smoking cigars. You know, it, it harkens back to the days of Twain and, and, you know, it, it becomes a way to do something that's 
counterculture without having to give up your personality, if that makes sense. None um, at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> but most hippie philosophy doesn't make sense to well, me. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's counterculture, but it doesn't require anything. It doesn't require... It requires a certain le- level of disposable income, but the th- thing is, you can get a you can get a cigar for the same price as you can a cup of coffee at Starbucks. So it's not like the old days where the only people who could afford the cigars, you know, I'm thinking kind of like 90s ish or 80s, um, where the difference between the high cl- the upper class and the lower class were were so varied. Yeah, there's definitely. There's definitely less difference now than there's ever been. Yeah. And probably saying the disappearing middle class is not really... The upper class is not as high as it's ever as it used to be, and the lower class is not as low as it used to be. And so many people, you know, here's my problem with all the hippie philosophy is we're going to rail against the man. Don't rail against the man. Try to become the man. Try to elevate your game. Instead of whining that you're not getting your peace... Elevate your game to the point that you become the man. Why don't you do that for once? Well, you know, and I was talking with someone about this the other week about how, you know, everyone likes to dog on the millennials as a generation. But the fact remains that you've got more entrepreneurs as who are millennials than any other generation before them. You've got a an entire generation of people who are out there trying to carve their own path, do their own thing. And some are working multiple jobs to accomplish it, but the idea is that you know it's it, we are getting back to a point of do for myself because no one's going to do it for me. Well, here's my here's my take on the millennial thing. If you want to carve your path, you need to commit to be in the top one or two percent of whatever you're trying to carve your path in. That's the problem. A lot of the millennials that I see trying to be entrepreneurs think trying to be in the top 10% is good enough or the top 25% is good enough, and that if they're not, the fat cats are holding them down. No. If you want to be an entrepreneur, you better be in the top 1% to 2% of that game. Yeah. I mean, it, it also depends on what that game is. I mean, you know, if you're making, you know, handmade socks from artisan substantial or you know self-sustaining wool that you dye yourself with berries yeah you need to be in the top one to two percent of that because it's such a small market for that but if you're making an iphone app you can be in the top 10 percent and still because it depends what your goals are if my goal is not to be in the top one percent i don't undertake it well and all and that's that's the philosophy as it should be did it all of a sudden turn into a traffic jam out here? It must have. I, th- this is the only downside of recording outside. I mean, the weather's beautiful, and I'm absolutely loving this, but you do get a little bit of the road noise, although I'm not picking it up in the headphones, so we may be okay. L- last time we did this, we had birds singing. We had, you know, it was very relaxing. Now it's... We also had terrible equipment, so that may be helping. That probably had a big piece of it, but won't we take a break? When we come back, I think the executive producer is supposed to come render her judgment to me. I believe so. At all. I received a text earlier, and it's a good place to start. I also have a new thing to add to my useless things to do before I die list. All right. Well, this we, is very important. Well, we'll be back with that and more after this. here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week we want to talk about the Punch Diablo. This is a full-bodied cigar. 
This is a full plus. This is a great cigar. The wrapper is Ecuadorian Sumatra Oscuro. The binder is Connecticut Broadleaf. The filler is Honduran and Nicaragua. All of which are aged four years, mind you. Wonderful cigar. The Vitola on this cigar matters. I, I can't express that enough. The smaller the Vitola, the more punch you're going to receive from this cigar. Yeah, so plan accordingly. Eat a big dinner. Eat a big dinner, but a great cigar, well-balanced. I don't want to run anybody off by saying it's full-bodied. It is just a great cigar. So until next week, try the Punch Diablo. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Shane. Sitting across from the man who will be juggling at a bar mitzvah in Sheboygan this weekend, Trey Deadman. Yeah, I'll be here all week. Tip your waitress. Tip your waitress. You know, not, okay. not just the tip. Oh, I, wait, that's a brisk. Never mind. I would like to say, do you know how hard it is to find juggler jokes? I've been scouring the internet all week to try to find juggler jokes. The clown one, if attacked by a pack of clowns, go for the juggler, have is you, the only one that keeps coming up. Have you not heard the joke about the good juggler? No. There isn't any. <laughs> I did I did hear a good one. Sorry, before we start smoking again, I have to tell this joke. A uh, man was driving along, speeding. Police officer pulled him over, come up to the car and said, Sir, what's the hurry? He says, I'm a juggler. I'm on my way to a bar mitzvah. I'm late. I'm trying to get there on time. He said, You're a juggler. Well, my daughter loves juggling. So if you'll let me take a video of you doing your act, I'll let you off. He said, Well, I'm sorry, but all of my props are gone. All my props are already at the event. They're just waiting on me. He said, well, I think I can find something. So he gets three road flares and lights them and hands them to the juggler. Juggler's standing there juggling three road flares on the side of the road. (laughs) Car pulls up behind the police car. Guy gets out, goes and gets in the back of the police car, sets down. Officer comes back to the car, sticks his head in. What are you doing? He says, I'm never passing that road sobriety test. (laughs) So that was the only juggler joke I had to find all week. So I need another aspect of your personality that I can abuse. I'll, and, uh, I'll work on that for you. But, okay, real quick, talk to us about the brick house. We might as well say something about cigar before we get into the next topic. This negotiation could take all night. Uh, it's really good. It's My palate was a little blown out from a, the charter oak I had before we sat down to record. So I was looking for something a little on the milder side that would play second fiddle pretty well. And this absolutely fits the bill for that. Uh I'm, I was especially looking for something in the Dominican range just so that my palate didn't go so dry that I wouldn't be able to talk. And it, this is one of the things that I think is really amazing about Dominican cigars. As we've talked about this on the, on the show before about how I find that Nicaraguan and Honduran tobacco tend to dry my palate out. Nicaragua, or Dominican, not so much. What I'm finding, though, is that it's actually kind of undoing the damage of, so to speak, of kind the of previous repairing It's kind the- of repairing, um, and I, which is which is fantastic. And so it's I'm I'm really pleased with my choice. Well, I'm sitting here. The cabinet number six is excellent. I really enjoy it. Um, I like the torpedo shape, uh, but I am still having trouble with it burning. It's still burning low. It's burning slow. I got a little wrapper damage, but I can blame that on me. And my hands flailing around as much as anything. Which is funny you bring that up because it almost looks like a perfecto at this point, where it's kind of ballooned out a little bit. It hardly looks like a torpedo still. Yeah, it's I, it's structural, and I think it's that I picked the oiliest one in the box. When Do I we, went in yeah. there, I really looked for kind of the oiliest cigar in the box in order to enjoy it. But okay. So last week I had a stroke of genius 
that I expounded upon to our listening audience about how to potentially cash in on your wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, the summary is we send out invitations, a special foil embossed high quality invitation to the Jorge Padrones, to the Jonathan Drews, to the Robert Caldwells of the world. And they look at it and their assistant shows it to them. They say, oh, yeah, send him a box of cigars and you reap the whirlwind of benefits. The only potential downside being one of them actually accepting and showing up at your wedding. Now, I would argue the RSVP would give you enough notice you could kind of make that work. But there's still that that risk there. But specifically, you mentioned Jonathan Drew showing up last week, which, let's face it, would show up without the RSVP. That's true. He would just show up and present the invitation. So it doesn't completely remove the liability from the situation. And all, but the executive producer has rendered her judgment. Yeah. So this is from in a prepared statement. In Mr. a prepared Dedman. statement, um, if Shane takes full ownership of paying for these extra embossed invitations and will foot the bill if any of them show up, I'll allow it. Then he will have to physically show up to the wedding to see if Jonathan Drew or anyone shows up or to smoke your wedding gift cigars. Now, I think this is particularly interesting because of your hatred for weddings. This kind of rolls in a a caveat that you actually have to attend and can't come up with a way to back out of it because I know you're going to try. I'm currently, so you goofed up and gave me the day. You should have had like six guys come in the middle of the night, throw a bag over my head, and drag me to your wedding. Yeah, that would have been your best shot. Yeah, I should have come up with a fake website of some cigar festival that was happening in Gallatin on that day and just told Glenda, whatever, just like, you guys like sell this, you guys show up, you know, it's right. fancy dress, go for it. A cigars and, ho- and cheesy horror monster movie festival. Mm-hmm. That's really the way you should have went for this. I should have. And I'll shark, no, the joke's on you because I'm going to have you be in the wedding just to make sure you can't get out of it. I thought, I thought we negotiated this. I thought that after I was, speaking with your wife, I have learned the errors of my way, error of my ways, and I have realized that there's really only way to guarantee your attendance. I, I really don't like the turn this has taken. <laughs> the but, mistake you made was putting us on the same side of the table. Back to the negotiation. Back to the negotiation point here. Okay. So what's my cut? If I'm going to cover the cost of the invitations and I'm going to have to show up at the wedding and potentially buy a small hotel in Gallatin that gets burned to the ground, what's my cut of the cigars? Well, it's a negotiation. Give me a starting point. 100%. No. (laughs) Okay, now I've countered. (laughs) I'd be willing to do a 75-25 split with you, with me being the 75. You being the 75. No, I, th- I think we got to get we got to do better than I'm that. I'm still under contract. Like we have, like if something happens to this facility and it's a fairly nice facility, and and things could go wrong pretty easily. Like you know, can't go Yeah. Well, okay. If one of them shows up, I'll just go home. I mean, I'm planning to fake my own death anyway prior to this <laughs> event actually happening. That's really plan A is fake my own death and go to you know Tijuana for a week have a miraculous recovery. We need to pre-record for a couple of weeks so that I can back the whole story. <laughs> but that, that's really my initial game plan. And is it the, okay, and I do have a question. This is a, a question that I brought up the other day when I replied to this text. Is part of the fee you're paying for this service not a you know, an E&O damages policy? It is, but it doesn't cover, it doesn't have a Jonathan Drew clause. It's a nursery. It's a business. Yeah, it's a it's a functioning nursery. 
So there's lots of plants that could go up in flames. Okay. Or, what are, oh, okay. Nursery, nursery. Okay. No, so, yeah. We're, <laughs> not, not the maternity ward at <laughs> the locals. I was going to say, you're trying to put two things I hate together. Now you're just being... A, <laughs> I almost called you something ugly. Now you're just being a jerk. <laughs> and I'll, not only are you going to... Oh, by the way, how many kids will be at the wedding? What's going to be the, the head count on Rugrats? We, it's it's going to be l- less than a kindergarten classroom. Okay, but a kindergarten at, at a small town or a kindergarten in New York? Smaller than an orphanage. Smaller than an orphanage. Okay. <laughs> Could we possibly put a number on this? Because I'm willing to go a 50-50 split on the cigars, providing that there's not more than 12 kids at the wedding. <laughs> you hit the number exactly. Yeah, yeah we're really close to that number. So um, we'll do 50-50 split, but your table is nowhere near the kids, with the exception of my own. Okay, I can, I can, I can have that. Wait, are we going to have assigned seats? No. Okay, good. No, but you're going to be in the wedding, so you'll be sitting at the head table with us. I see. I'm, I'm really not like... <laughs> you know, my plan is always to kind of, as soon as the I do's are done while you're kissing the bride, be warming up the car and headed out the door. Well, if you do that, you'll miss the cigar hour that we're doing. You know, it's fairly common to have a cocktail hour, you know, between the ceremony and the reception if you're doing it at the same place to give them, you know, the people the chance to move everything around and get it set up. Well, being is that I don't drink and it's my wedding. Well, our wedding, but, you know. It's her wedding. You're it's just her wedding. there. Yeah. That's but, why they dress us all the same so that if you die on the altar, the next guy in line can just step up. <laughs> she, I think you need to make the check out directly to Jerry Seinfeld and just go ahead and send it for <laughs> oh, using okay. his joke like that. Um but no, so I, I only had two requirements for the entire thing. One was that during the reception, at no point should my water glass be empty. This is kind of the brown M&Ms in the, in the contract writer. And the other is that we'd be able to smoke cigars on property while, during the cocktail hour. And we will be able to. So you'll miss, you know, we're having a, a proper cigar cocktail hour. Okay, so after the cigar hour, can I just fade off into the night? No, the I mean, like I'll I'll stand by trees and the be, shadows will get a little thicker and I'll it'll, just disappear. No, we're going to do it like poker night. We don't divvy up because it doesn't necessarily have to be. You know, let's say that there's more than just one box of cigars. We'll do it poker style where we divvy up the six, the fifty fifty, but we'll take turns. So if you want more of one or less of one, then we can do it that way. That doesn't happen until right before we get in the car to leave. Y- y'all really ain't working with me on this. <laughs> I'm here to tell you. I- I'm getting I'm getting roped into the way, and I'm losing ground. Before it was, okay, well, at least I won't have to be in the ceremony. Now I'm in the ceremony. <laughs> but, uh, You're just, showing your true colors as well. You're not playing it close enough to the vest. That's true. And I still like the idea of just fading into the night. We're all, the last thing you see is the cherry on the end of my cigar, and it goes out, and then I'm gone. That's true. There is no ambulance. There's no EMS. There's no, it's not a high school football game. There's no way for you to get off the property without creating a stink. 
Well, it, it already involves tranquilizing my wife because she doesn't know how to quietly disappear from anything anyway. Which is part of what I'm counting on, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd already There's hired... no such thing as an Irish goodbye with Glenda in the room. No, I already hired the ninja with the curare darts that was going to be waiting in the trees and <laughs> dart her and get her to the car so that I could get out nice and quietly. All of, all of a sudden, my Aunt Edna just drops. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, what happened? I don't know. She was standing next to the hibiscus and she just... Killed over. It's entirely possible. We'll, we'll return to the. We've got a year. We can return. That is a great mental image. We can return to this negotiation. I can't let you be the only wordsmith on the show. Yeah, we're we're still hammering this out. I think there's room here. I just I think I can. I'll pay for the invitations. Whoa, I was but not counting on that. Okay, that's. I'll tell you what. So, for those of you, since she's not on the microphone, the Madam Producer has elected to pay for the extra invitations, but she doesn't want them to be foil embossed. How about I pay for the difference in the foil embossed and the regular invitations? I'll throw a few shekels at it, and we'll just get the, and then we can get, then we'll do the 50-50 split up front. And but you have to stay until 9.45 at night. Oh, 9.45. I'm an old man. I'm in bed like 9.30. So are we. <laughs> Certain sacrifices have to be made, Shane. And on your honey, it's your think, honeymoon. Think. You should be anxious to get home. At least you're not going to the brunch on Sunday. It's true. We are letting you out of the family brunch on Sunday. Well, I appreciate that. Mm. And, 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 and the rehearsal dinner on, on Friday night. Yeah. Okay. Well, if all I got to do is show up for the actual event. Yeah. And I'll, I can I can I can probably work with that to a certain degree, but where there's some further negotiations, we'll hammer out the details. I'll have my people <laughs> call your people. We'll see what we can. We'll figure set out. up a WebEx and we'll figure this yeah. out with pie charts and. Yeah, I've, I've got to cancel the ninja, but <laughs> apparently. But I'm saying half <laughs> Trey's of my- Aunt Edna has an alert allergy to curare. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you their dietary restrictions. Yeah, if, if you would, any toxins that they might be allergic to, any sedatives. Isn't Karari corn-based? We've got some allergies we need to be careful of. <laughs> Everyone in our respective families has some form of allergy. There's nothing that someone can be allergic to that there won't be someone at this wedding who's allergic to it. Then should we rethink the ambulance waiting? <laughs> what, is, no, that, is every centerpiece going to have an EpiPen? Yes, actually. Am I just going to yeah. be walking around stabbing people all night long? No, we're going to have a we're going to have well, you a said Sylvester you Stallone lookalike guy with with just a, a bolero full of EpiPens just strapped across. The chest. Yeah. I was going to say, is this what you mean by me being in the in the wedding? You just got them in a holster. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to be stabbing. Okay, anybody look puffy. <laughs> At all, but blue, blue is more. Yeah, go, go for blue, not puffy, because then you'll. Well, now you see, I'm you'll, thinking by the time you, you just get to go, blue, you're already pretty far down that but, line. I but if it, you just go for puffy, you're going to end up injecting all of my mom's side of the family. Ouch. <laughs> it's okay. None of them listen. <laughs> none of them listen to to your radio pod cart. Right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, okay. They don't have the iTunes. Back to cigars. Oh, is this a cigar show? This is a cigar show. We will continue negotiations later. Um, the Masters is this weekend. Oh, that's not the uh, sporting event I thought you were going to talk about. What sporting event was I going to talk about? La Grand Fumata Russia in St. Petersburg. 
Oh, the Cigar Smoking World Championship? <laughs> I thought for sure you were going to hammer me with that this week. No, you see, I don't want to go back to the well on the Cigar Smoking World Championship too often. Okay. And uh, you, you can't abuse that well. Anyway, so, the Masters. Um, Augusta, Georgia. I'm trying to find the name of the cigar shop. The, Top, arm, the armpit of Georgia. Top shelf cigars in Augusta. How much of their annual business does Masters Week account for? So I actually know this because I know Russell. Because he used to um, be a customer of, mine, customer of mine when I worked for Calibri. They make their entire year on that weekend alone. Yeah, 12% of their annual cigar sales, which 12% don't sound like a big number, but 12% is a huge number when you're talking, if you're talking about one weekend in a 52-week year, yeah. accommodating 12% of your gross, you're really talking about a big... Yeah, that Masters weekend alone allows them to stay open the rest of the year. And answer me this. Why have I never seen a cigar, an Augusta cigar, you know, embossed by the Masters. Why? Why have I? Why has nobody ever grabbed hold of that? I have heard rumor that there actually is a cigar made specifically for the clubhouse at Augusta National. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know who makes. I don't know anything. But I have heard tale that that they that you can only get it if you're a member and you're on on site. This is another one of those Masters legends. Yeah. Well, like so many things. Oh, yeah. All right. So, coming back, one more thing I have to hit. When General Cigar teamed up with A.J. Fernandez to release the Punch Diablo. Now, we had a great relationship with the Punch Diablo on this show. It's, smoked, it, based on the shape of that cigar, it looks like you're about to get a lot more friendly with it. <laughs> yeah. The, I was so, really hoping we would hit this before she showed up. <laughs> you'll have to rein it in. Well, okay, let's get... The the lady on the street's opinion. Okay. Well, you're almost on the street. You're on the sidewalk. You're close enough to the street. What does? How would you describe the shape of that cigar? <laughs> she doesn't want to say, but she thinks exactly what I did. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> that that no comment is the safe answer on that. So the punch Diablo stump. Also known as the Punch Diablo butt plug. <laughs> it really, that, that, I don't call them into question often. But thank you, Trey. I do enjoy the Punch Diablo, but I will never be able to smoke this cigar now. You have taken that from me. Well, you're not meant to smoke it. It's a suppository. <laughs> do you do it lit or unlit? <laughs> de just de depends how daring you are that night. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of slow week at work. That's right. <laughs> it's you, you could work in a bar down in Tijuana if you could smoke it. <laughs> it's four and a, it's four and a half inches long, and it's a sixty ring gauge, but it's a very tapered and yeah, you know. I'm I'm gonna smoke this until somebody yells camper, and then I'm gonna spit it out. I'm <laughs> really that's the only way to smoke this cigar. No, no, we, we've really been giving this too much we thought. Have. But I, going back to the cigar itself, though, I would be interested to find out, because the first one you smoked was the 6x6, no, was the Robusto, and right. it lit your eyes on fire. Right. And then you went back and smoked the 6x60, and it didn't have nearly as much punch, pardon the pun, as the first one you smoked. Given the fact that that tapers down to like a 52 or a 54, but you get all the smoke associated with that six by, with that sixty ring gauge. 
I'd be really interested to see what the strength profile of that shape looks like. Yeah, it'll be interesting because the punch is a unique cigar in that the bigger cigar doesn't necessarily mean that it is stronger. To me, the the Churchill's far milder than the Toro. Yeah, and and I find that to be fairly... Hang on a second, there's a jet taking (laughs) off out of the parking lot. Well, I was just getting further up on the mic. Uh, You know, I find my experience tends to be the opposite, that the smaller cigar tends to be the more flavorful, the stronger of the line. Yeah, I guess strength-wise, it's more concentrated in the flavorful. To me, I enjoy the larger ring gauge cigars because I believe the larger ring gauge has more complexity. I, I believe there's something to be said for that. It definitely depends on the cigar. If you've got a monolithic filler, then I don't think you get as much out of, say, uh, uh, La Roar DNA, which has that Anduyo tobacco, or the um, Anaconda, which has the Fuma Corda. You know, I think when you've got something interesting going on, no, the Amazon has the Bergonka. Uh, the Anaconda has a Bergonka. Anyway, um, when you have unique tobaccos in the cigar, um, I, I agree with you that you get more nuance out of the bigger ring gauges. But when you're talking about just straight Dominican filler, I, I, I don't find that to be necessarily as as big a difference maker. Well, and sometimes the blend is tweaked from size to size. You know, I've had a lot of 770s that were mostly filler. You know, they were mostly fluff. They didn't have a lot of flavor profile to them. Right. Although I did pick up a bundle of Schizo 770s, and they are very good. I smoked one during WrestleMania. Well, and that's part of the reason I got away from the 6x60s, that and the Lockjaw. But, you know, I just started to find that I wasn't getting as much enjoyment out of them as I was their smaller ring-gauge counterparts. Oh, by the way, I've got to give the ultimate thanks to Jonathan, our dear friend. Did you see on the webpage what Jonathan brought me to smoke at WrestleMania this year? I did. I did see that. He brought me the Liga 10th anniversary. I didn't think I would ever get to smoke one of these cigars because when they, they're super rare, ultra premium cigar, they... The local shop that got them here in Murfreesboro, you had to buy four Ligas at regular price of $20 plus each to have the opportunity to purchase one of this particular cigar. At $40 each? Probably in that price range. Yeah. He acquired one um, through whatever means necessary, and he said, you know... Probably involved the Punch Diablo stump. Probably somewhere in there. I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I, I would smoke one of those if it was smuggled into prison. I'm just here to tell you, I would smoke one of those ligas. And as only a true friend will, matter of fact, before wrestling, I had 10 guys on the porch that so we were all there getting ready to watch wrestling. When he handed me this cigar, I stepped upon the podium and I said, I would like all of you to look at the cigar that Jonathan has just provided to me. The rest and of feel you, worse about yourselves. Right, the rest of you better step your game up. <laughs> your game is way lacking. But he made the greatest sacrifice that a cigar man can make. He said, you know, Shane enjoys Liga. I'm going to give this to Shane because I know he will enjoy it more than I will. And I will say, best Liga I ever smoked, even better than the Feral Pig. Smoothest Liga I've ever smoked. So smooth, so well-balanced. Absolutely wonderful cigar. Top three cigars I've ever smoked in my life. Seven all day long. Yeah, oh, seven plus all day long. I mean, nothing could have been better. It burned all the way down, nice and even. 
the smoke was full and rich. I really wanted to just kind of pass it around and everybody get a hit off of it, but I didn't want to share. No, I don't blame you. Yeah, and that 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 is really, I mean, kudos to Jonathan indeed, because I don't think I would have been able to give that cigar up. Well, and granted, he's not a huge Liga fan compared to the two of us, but... And it was a it was a toss up because when I got it, the first thing I thought was, "Boy, I could smoke this on the podcast for my listeners." I'm really glad you didn't, though. Yeah, but by cigar gift etiquette, especially a cigar gift of that caliber, you must follow the etiquette of smoking it with the person that brought it to you. And he happened to bring it at WrestleMania, the biggest wrestling event of the year, and present it to me. So. Wonderful enjoyment. My shout out to Jonathan. My undying appreciation. I'll I'll think <laughs> about coming to your next wedding. There. So speaking of etiquette, I've got one thing before we wrap up the show that I saw today that I wanted to touch on because we talk about etiquette on the show quite a bit, not as much as we once did. But uh, from Cigar Journal, they posted an interesting article uh, this week. It was the Ten Commandments um, of How to Smoke in a Cigar Shop. And I just wanted to run through these and kind of see what you... I, I basically uh, agree with all of these, but there's a couple that I'm like, eh, so I want to get your take. Okay, but first, I have to, I have to do what you do to me. R- rarely ever is the shoe on the other foot here. Let's qualify this. Is this cigar smoking in the shop? Is this cigar smoking in general? How not to look like a jerk in a cigar store. Okay, so this is 100% not look like a cigar like a cigar jerk. Yes. Okay, I'm good with it. All right. Number one, thou shalt not bring cigars purchased from online or other stores into another cigar shop. Only cigars purchased from said shop to be smoked in said shop. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, definitely. As, a, as an overall rule, good policy to live your life by. Number two, thou shalt not brag about the brand you smoke, how much your cigar costs, or how rare it is. Nobody likes a cigar snob. Um, I can understand not talking about the price or the brand. The rarity of it, though, you kind of like to, to talk that up just a little bit. Now, not, in, not by way of putting down your cigar. Well, I, and I think the key there is the word brag. There's a difference between saying, hey, I'm smoking something XYZ that, you know, is... But especially if you're following, following rule number one, then by virtue of rule number two, it should be something that the other person can also get while they're in that shop. Right, they can walk in and acquire yeah. easily. But this is the reason why a lot of shops have the rule of taking the band off before you, st- before you light it and start smoking it. Um, number three, thou shalt not mistreat a cigar. Your cigar probably unraveled because you cut it improperly or burns crooked because you lit it wrong. It's a little aggressive, but in general... Uh, I yeah, don't I, blame the cigar. Yeah, a good craftsman never blames his tools. That's right. I can deal with that. Number four, thou shalt not abuse a cigar. It is not okay to buy a double Corona and cut it in half. Putting out your cigar to save it for tomorrow is considered ignorant. That's true. Nor should you mash it out in the ashtray. Yeah, that was what I was expecting to see in this. Right. Yeah. That, when you said that, that's what I thought is don't don't crush your cigar into the ashtray. That's Yeah, drop that's, it and let it smolder out on its own. Number five, thou shalt store cigars properly. Buy a humidor or rent a locker at the cigar shop. Respect the hard work that goes into these hand-rolled products. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little caveat on that because buying a humidor is not necessary to proper storage of your cigars. And I'm, I'm going to admit that I am fully uh, guilty of leaving cigars in my car. But I typically only buy cigars for a day, maybe two at a time. So I feel like 
don't get too caught up in that if you're somewhat uh, intermittent cigar smoker. If it's going to sit for more than three days, you need to be putting it in something. Right. But for two to three days, don't don't get too hung up on that. Right. It doesn't need to age under the back seat of a 67 Chevy. Right. All right. Number six, thou shalt not bitch about prices on cigars. Every state has different taxes, different markup. If you don't like it, find another place to buy your cigars. We now, were see, doing. We were violating this one before we started yeah, recording. Today. I was in violation of this very commandment today. I think if you do it fairly, it's okay to do it. I think if you are being constructive, and maybe don't do it to the proprietor, or actually, no, don't do it to the people working behind the counter. Right. They have nothing to do with it. Take it up with the proprietor, or keep your mouth shut. Right. But and always can, do it respectfully. Yeah, and, you know, I have, I will say, I have come to the defense of the prices of the cigars here as often as I have complained about them. I'm a very balanced as, individual. As have I. And to that point, you know, if you don't like it, find another place to buy your cigars. You know, I think that's very fair. But what you're probably going to find is that prices are going up across the board, and it's going to be true no matter what shop you go to. They're true. all fairly consistent, at least in this area. All right. Now that we've beat that one to death. Number seven, thou shalt not be rude about smoking a cigar. We cigar smokers are respectable, tax-paying people. You represent all of us while in public. I love this one. That definitely. I'm always very cautious of my smoke. I always try. Last night I was bending my head around like an owl to blow my smoke because I didn't want to interrupt the poker game. Right. And, you know, I, I can't tell you the number of times we've been out somewhere, been out in a public place, and I want to smoke a cigar. But so often now people have, you know, banned smoking in outdoor public places, which I still think is ridiculous. But I'm always cognizant of whether or not my cigar smoking is bothering someone else. Um, same thing. I think I've told this story on the show before is, you know, when you're walking down the sidewalk or something, if you're approaching someone, move your hand in front of you so that your cigar doesn't accidentally burn someone. It's something I notice of cigarette smokers occasionally will do it as well. And I'm always I always pick up on it. And I think it's a it's a nice well, power respect move. And you can even do the move. You know, I was sitting out in front of a cigar shop the other day because I was in class and I didn't want to go back in smelling like a cigar shop. To the other people in class, because we were packed in pretty tight in class. Yeah. So I sat outside to enjoy my cigar, and when a couple with a young child come by, I did the move where you turn the cigar to the inside of your hand. Yeah. Yeah, especially around kids. I think that's, uh, that's particularly important. All right. Number eight. Thou shalt not go to a cigar event expecting a free cigar. You cannot afford, if you cannot afford one, you shouldn't have gotten, gone to the event. If you do receive a free cigar or enjoy free refreshments, buy something. No one likes a mooch. 100%. I 100% agree with this, but I can kind of understand where some of the people come from because there was a time when I first started smoking that when you did go to an event, the expectation was that you would buy something, but everyone got a free cigar for walking in the door. There was no buy four, get one free, all of that stuff that we do now. It was you go to an event, you get a cigar, but then you buy cigars. Well, and the person running the event should be well enough healed to say, if I put this cigar in your hand, I know you're going to go buy another one. Yeah, exactly. Um, number nine, thou shalt not be fooled by fake cigars. Those Cubans you brought on your, you bought on your cruise for 50 bucks are fake. Do not go around bragging about them. People are laughing behind your back. Ah, uh, the Fohiba. Yes. And we had a gentleman here who we always referred to his as the Fohibas. Yeah. And he was terribly guilty about this. Although I will say people are laughing behind your back. That, to me, that's kind of a, 
a little bit of an etiquette thing, too. We should probably be a little bit better about that. But if you're going to go so far as to tell everyone else their cigars are insufficient compared to yours when it's made from tobacco leaves off the cutting room floor, right? you kind of get what you deserve. All right, at least in the case of this gentleman we're talking about. Number 10, and I know you'll like this one. Always have an extra cigar on hand. You never know when you may run into a brother cigar smoker that needs a cigar in a pinch. Make a new friend. Definitely. And always choose that cigar wisely. You know, we could do a whole show on how to fill the muchador. And the muchador is very important. And I think, um, yeah, that's a... That's a great one. That's a great rule, always, especially a golf course. Yes, that's a perfect example. Now, if you're in the cigar shop, you don't have to have one on hand. There's a whole humidor full of them. Exactly. But on the golf course, you know, anywhere like that, when you're on a canoe trip, on a camping trip, things like that, definitely have an extra cigar on hand. Absolutely. I always bring, when I'm on a camping trip especially, I always bring four per day plus two. Because I know I'm not going to smoke all four per day, but it it allows me that if I decide to, I still have two more that I can give away to someone who might need them. Right. And you okay? What's the Muchador cigar of choice? Um, lately, one of them is always an AJ Fernandez Enclave because I know one of the people I go camping with that only smokes cigars on that camping trip. That's his favorite cigar, so I always make sure I have an extra one of those. Plus, it's a phenomenal cigar and Charter Oak. Definitely, and Charter Oak's iffy. It is, but it's one that, again, I never know if I, I... I mean, most of we've talked about this before. Most of the cigars I smoke are Muchador-quality cigars, with very few exceptions. So I'm not going to give out Novo Heritage, but I've got usually got Camacho Ecuador's in there that I'm not... I don't have a problem giving away. Um, I've got usually a Perdomo Habano Sungrown, which is easy to give away. You know, so there's usually lots in there to choose from. Well, we're running a little long tonight, so let's go ahead and call it to an end. I will save, I teased it before the break, that something new on my useless things to do before I die list. I will save that for next week. All right. Well, until then, you can get a hold of us by going to facebook.com slash thecigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. And you can always email us info at thecigarcast.com. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening this week. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. (laughs) 